Hello? Oh, yay, it's working. I was so worried it wasn't going to work. Oh. Welcome back to Star Sports Betting People. Today, I am joined by Nick Stolfield. Nick, it's lovely to see you again. How are you doing? Brilliant. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> quiet time of year for jump racing, but um, still plenty of racing. So, um, yeah, no, it's keeping busy enough, so can't complain. Oh, good. And do you, are you watching like the flat racing now or do you kind of give yourself a bit of break from that? No, I actually quite enjoy the flat racing. Um, I probably, um, yeah, I follow it quite a lot. I've got a few friends that ride and um, yeah, no, I quite find the pedigrees and um, the way the, the race is planned. And, you know, I enjoy watching it and um, yeah, no, I wouldn't miss a race really. Certainly a lot of the big races. Yeah, well, actually, because like I, in all my normal videos, I start from the beginning, but actually whilst we're talking, um, you know, about you having some like time off. What do you usually do then in this time of year when it's quiet? Yes, I've been riding out of it um, in the mornings. Yesterday I was in Christian Williams's racing. Um, uh, yeah, so still, still sort of, it's just a bit quieter than what it is like in the winter. So it's not quite so full on. Like you're going, you're still going racing, but only for like one, two rides and um, probably only like three, four times a week give or take. Um, it gives you a chance to catch up on things, um, do all the stuff you don't like normally doing. And um, yeah, but no, I'd like to say something exciting, but <laughs> quite boring really. <laughs> That's all right. I suppose it gives you like a, a bit of downtime as well then. And so then like, as you lead up to the season, do you have to get in the gym and then get physically prepared? Yeah, I go sort of at the moment once a week to the gym. Um, and probably step that up sort of the next few months you know leaning into the winter but still riding you know still getting sort of one two three rides a day um so that keeps your eye in and um that's good really and still riding out so you don't lose too much fitness but you don't want to run your body into the ground so it's good to give it a rest mm. um, now and again and um yeah just try not to eat too much in that off time <laughs> do you have a personal trainer at all yeah i do have one um it's called sam he's a bit of a friend and um um, I probably need one. A lot of lads don't need one, but I sort of need a bit of a kick out of the backside because I can do it and probably don't push myself like I can in the gym. But um, if it's on a horse, I'm fine. But like in the gym, I do need someone to like make sure I'm up, you know, cracking the whip, as it were. And does the personal trainer, does he specialise in jockeys or is he just a general personal trainer? So there's there's two what I call main gyms. Um, you've got the Sapiro Sullivan House in Newmarket, and you've got the one in uh, Oaksey House in Lambourne. Um, from where I'm, my home's in Somerset, so it's like a little way to drive just to go to the gym. So I have a personal one um, that's close to home. But if ever I'm up that way, they the the the, the Oaksey House or Sapiro Sullivan, they they specifically you know do the, the riding stuff they put you on an exerciser or like do specific things for your riding and um, I'll do that every now and again but um just because it's um, if I was close to there I'd go there all the time but um just because I'm not close I have a personal one but he sort of knows what I want and what I need and um you know I sort of tell him what I want to do and he sort of um, does it and um but you know I think if you're overall fit as a jockey um if you can keep that sort of fitness all over you know no specific thing you don't want to do too many weights you don't want to do too much cardio so it's like if you just do a bit of everything to keep that general fitness the the racing or sort of sharpen it up from there yeah because you wouldn't want your muscles to get bigger or expand would you because then that's more weight because muscle is heavier than fat right yeah so they say but you, you, 
Um, you don't want to be fat either, but no. <laughs> you don't need them. <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't. I don't think I'll ever make Love Island. I'm not um, big and strong like you. Like, you wouldn't want to be a bodybuilder, but um, you have to be lean and um, you just have to be like fit without having two extremes because um, you sort of got to have aerobic and anaerobic for a jockey. So um, there's no specific thing. It's sort of a unique fitness, I would, I would say. Do you have protein shakes? Yeah, I, that's sort of new the last few years. The, the, the nutritionists are pushing us for that. Um, I never used to touch them because I had in my head they put on weight, but um, I have been using them and I quite enjoy them. So, and they fill you up. So, yeah, I, I do, but just not to like a massive extent. So, okay, I'm going to start with then how you got into racing. So, when we previously spoke, um, you told me that your father was a point to point jockey. So, can you just tell us a little bit about how your career began and growing up? Yeah, I was, did a lot of, um, I was quite fortunate, I did a lot of um, riding when I was very young. My mum <clears throat> was into sort of show horses and my dad was a point-to-point jockey, so you could say I was bred into it and I rode for different people as I was growing up. I competed at Horse Day Show and um, competed abroad show jumping and, you know, did a, did a lot as it were. And um, so when I was 15, 16, I had the bug for racing, I used to watch all, you know, like like all the young people did but pony racing hadn't materialized really as strong then so um, I never had that to do so um, I just had my eyes on being a jockey and um, you know my mum obviously wanted me to get my A-levels blah 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 and I think I copped out at 16 and um, <laughs> um, I had a few point-to-point rides and um, yeah so and and then sort of as I got going and um, I took a job with Paul Nichols um, so I sort of left school at 16 went there and um as an well just as a lad really to start off with but as an amateur and um yeah um sort of um my first season um my first few rides wasn't great I think I fell off quite a few times and then I sort of got lucky and um got on a horse called C Snipe went on to win about eight races on her and then Paul Nichols and Richard Barber started using me and um I sort of took off from there and sort of was did point to point in for a season, champion novice, and then was champion amateur, all down to Paul Nichols and Richard Barber, really. And um, it just sort of went from just 16 year old kid that didn't know what was going on to riding in races every day. So, um, and yeah, I'm still doing it now. So, do you remember what your first day was like at Paul Nichols's? Right, like I, I was a boy from Devon, like bouncing the outside world, and <laughs> like you know, a bit cocky probably, and um, yeah, had me mucking out and doing all the horrible jobs, and actually Harry Skelton was there at the time, um, Ian Popham, Alistair Ralph, George Scott, there was a, there was a great team, Liam Hurd, Paddy Merrigan, there was people that you're still with now, and um, there was a lot of us, what I call um, young budding jockeys, and um, you know, working and playing at the same time, but um, I was definitely like, a kid with headlights like all this you know this into the big world and um sort of had to find my feet it's good that you had people to grow with so that if you didn't know what to do you could ask each other or something but I suppose on your first date are you told what to do or do you just get thrown into mucking out and then just find your own way and follow the others yeah I think I definitely got thrown in but um not everyone like you got the race in school and you get um people like it's, it's the last sort of 10 years i do think it's more advanced and they're bringing you know the the racing is uh, caught up with the 20th century a little bit because 
gone are the old days, the old school days where you just get chucked on a horse and say, go out the gallop. And I think health and safety have come into it a bit more than what it was. So, um, but it's, you know, it's, I, I certainly was, you know, I, I definitely was a, a boy in a man's world at that stage. You know, I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> I thought it's really nice to look back and see how far you've come as well from when you first started till now. Some would disagree, but yeah, I sort of can survive a bit better now. I can cook when I first went and I was living on my, like, you know, with, with housemates and like, I just, the whole thing, just like living away from home and having to fend for yourself, um, I sort of had to sharpen up quite quickly. What did you eat like when you were growing up? Because I'm kind of picturing if you were young, you were still kind of studenting. Was it student meals or, or were you taught then about healthy eating and nutrition? No, I was a McDonald's baking. Um, any takeaway just because um, I didn't know about it then. And I think when I left school, like, I had like, the racing school hadn't really developed like it is now for jockeys. And we didn't have that. Well, not that we didn't have that help, but I wasn't quite a jockey then. So um, I sort of just found my feet and the easiest thing was to get takeaways I think and I soon learned my weight was creeping up and that, that you couldn't do that and um, you couldn't drink alcohol and go out and be into work at five o'clock the next morning so I sort of had to like work it out for myself but I do think now like that gone of those days I'm learning I'm not even that old but like I'm what 32 now and but it's certainly since I've started the, the game's what I call grown into um more, more, so much more professional what was your favorite takeaway <laughs> I, like, I, like them all. <laughs> uh, I love a chinese but um if it was just on the services be a mcdonald's oh really yeah. have you heard that they've taken away chicken selects oh no way. i have used to have six chicken nuggets cheeseburger and yeah but anyway, that's McDonald's throw for you. So I remember you saying before that Hunt Ball was your most uh, enjoyable ride. Would you say, is that still your favourite ride? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Hunt Ball was my first Cheltenham Festival winner. Um, he was favourite and obviously he had a big story. It was the rags to riches. He come from nothing. He was a cheap horse that didn't win a point to point and went from a mark from 80 to like 140, some 150. So he rose in the weights, kept winning and his owner was a um, farmer and just kept betting him and earned lots of money and you know all built up to Cheltenham Festival and I hadn't had a winner there previous to him and he was a red hot favourite very much talked about so um, you know when it come off and he, he duly delivered it was the you know and I think the crowd got behind him because he was such a good story leaning into the race and when it comes off it's you know it's not like the Willie Mullins um, Paul Nichols you know it's Kieran Burke who only had about probably like eight or nine horses at the time and his owner only owned one horse and it was like the the fairy tale sort of stuff so um when it all come off it was massive for me and um you know big relief because you know although you want those pressures um and you, you enjoy it there's there is a lot of pressure and a lot of people are relying on you to, to make the right decisions and um i remember the owner Anthony not saying as i went out um just don't get brought down, you'll win. It's, like, it's all very well and said, but there's 24 other runners and charging down to the first fence. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's harder than it sounds. How do you personally deal with pressure? Uh, pressure is a hard one. It's You want that pressure, but, like, I think pressure only comes with getting on those better horses. So um, it's, it's as much as you make it. It's, um, I try not to listen too much. You know, you just got to treat it as 
and a race and look what's in front of you and um, not try and look at the whole big picture. It's, you know, you've got to jump those obstacles. You've got to get in front of that horse or that horse and you've got to just simplify it really and not try and ride the occasion, ride the horse, not the occasion. Do the prices from the bookmakers make you like more nervous or does that kind of give you more confidence to do better? I think it's good to keep an eye on it. I certainly would because um, it's good to know what the money's coming from or, you know, you can give you a bit of clue into what's, what, what you're up against or what, you know, what, what, what the market's thinking, but I don't think you can, you can sort of have that in, you know, as fully as you've still got to ride your horse to the best of your ability or the best of that horse's ability. And um, you, I, but I think it's certainly good to keep an eye on it. Um, it wouldn't probably sway me how I ride the horse either way, but it might just flag up a danger in the race. Um, the one that you might not have previously thought had a chance, you know, money's come for it. So um, there must be something they don't, that we, I, we don't know that they know. So, um, you know, more so the others more the, than yourself. What's your favourite meeting of the year? I think it has to be Cheltenham. Yeah, the festival is it's our Olympics, it's our everything. And um, it's just, it's great for five days, whatever it's going to be. But um, it's so hard there, but it, it's, it is the pinnacle, really. And that's what everyone gears up and that's what everyone aspires to have winners at. Do you think they should have a fifth day? Um, if it's good for the sport, then yes, but you wouldn't want to dilute it at the same time. Um, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm on the fence on it because um, if, it's, if it's going to bring racing money, if it's going to bring more money into the sport, then I, you know, I think that would be good. But what you don't want to do is dilute something that's as good as it is. And um, you know, what makes it so special is how competitive it is. And if the you know, if it dilutes the, the sport, then I can't, then it wouldn't be so good. But I don't know enough about it, if I'm honest. So um, I don't really want to comment. So can you tell me a bit about your experience with the Grand National, how many times you've entered and what it's like? Uh, I think I've rode the National nine times now. Um, best was third about six years ago on T for three. Um, completed on quite a few, Cornish set. Yeah, numerous others, had a few falls. Um, it's, you know, it's... It's a very great race to be part of. Um, be better to win it, but it's getting. People say it's getting easier because the jumps getting smaller. But personally, I think it's getting harder. You need a much better horse to win, like a high quality horse, um, because you know the ratings are getting so high. You need a, you know, just short of a gold cup class horse to be winning that that race. And um, you know the Irish are dominating so much. Um, it's, it's proving difficult, but. Um, you know, it's the race that your friends watch, um, that your family that, that they wouldn't watch you daily. It's like, it, you know, it is, it's to the wider nation, it's it's massive and um, it's great to be part of. And I think it's massive for racing and it's great that the race is being able to keep its prestige and still have that health and safety factor. Is there a certain part of the course that makes you more nervous than another part of the course? Um, not really, it all depends what you're on. That some horses might favour doing things than others, and um, you know, every year is different. You can be different circumstances. It could be softer. It can be better, quick ground. So if it's quick ground, they go very fast. If it's soft ground, it can be an endurance test. And um, 
you know, I had a good spin for a circuit this year, but then my horse couldn't cope with the um, quicker conditions and I had to pull him up. So like, it's all depending on what you want really. Um, and the others around you, you know, that's as much as anything. And you, you need a lot of luck in the race. And, but you also need that horse that can do all the jump, you know, travel, gallop and, you know, have the class to win the race. So, so you know, as you're coming up to the jump, you see a stride, right? What if you get that stride wrong? Do you then ask to take off earlier? You hope your clause is clever enough to work it out himself and get you out of the trouble. But the good ones can like shorten or lengthen depending on what how you're meeting the obstacle. It's say if I've asked for a longer one and that horse has gone, no, I can't do that. The, the clever horses will put another stride in and still get up. And whereas if, if a horse tries to do what you've told it and it might not get there and might cause a fall so um you know the famous saying is a loose horse never falls so if you leave it to the, them that the horse can work it out for themselves but um yeah if you get your stride wrong um and if you get it completely wrong you're relying on the horse to get you out of the trouble really but is it not harder to see your stride when there's so many runners yeah i suppose yeah um these horses that go into that race i promise you you have to be a very high standard so the quality of the animal is very high like so the horses you're on are, are well above average so they um they anticipate the, the jump coming and they, they that you can feel them underneath you um trying to sort it out for themselves as well so it's not completely rider dependent you, the horse would be the main the main you know he'd be the one that's can see the fence probably before you when you're asking for a stride is it the same as when you're normally riding because obviously whether your strips are shorter is it are you still like using your legs to ask for the stride yeah you would yeah every horse is different some horses take you into the fence some horses back off a fence so some horses you might be have to squeeze into them other other horses you might have to take back because they'll be trying to do it too fast and yeah every horse is different and you know you usually you, ride them before you've ridden them in a race you get some idea but if you haven't ridden them before you you know the horse I rode in the Grand National I'd never previously rode in a race but um I'd watch his replays and I I felt that he he come from France and he liked sorting himself out so I tried just basically to do less and try not interfere with him too much and let him you know sort himself out and you've got to put a lot of um re, you know respect on the horse because um you know, the, at the end of the day, the horse is the one that's having to jump the jump. So you have to put your faith in them as much as anything. What was the atmosphere like this year when Rachel Blackmore won and obviously made history? It obviously was, and not like, um, I think it was phenomenal what she did. She's a tremendous rider. She gave a fantastic ride and it was truly deserved to win, but the crowd wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but I think the idea did a fantastic coverage and um, she got all the praise she truly deserved. And, um, you know, and I personally think the trainer was, you know, remarkable what he achieved this season, Henry de Bromhead, you know, with the races he won and some of the results he'd come out with. I think he had the third in the national was it as well. So, um, yeah, no, it was remarkable really what they achieved. So even with the restrictions, you were still able to celebrate a little bit or like come outside and be a bit closer because I was, I just thought with the, the restrictions like I watched it on telly but I know it wasn't the same without the crowds but was it still I'm sure it was still nice yeah you still can feel the yeah no there, there's definitely um 
yeah, you haven't got the Liverpool ladies there like dancing around, but other than that, it was, you know, anyone within the racing sport appreciates what it takes to win as well. So, you know, from from someone that's in the sport, you know, I certainly appreciate it. Um, so I just want to talk about now, uh, you were off for a while with an injury. Um, you broke your leg, correct? How did that happen? Um, it was a, I basically finished the race. I hate talking about it because it's just like, um, finished the race um, at Pontwell. Just, I think I had quite a few rides that day. It was just finished, you know, pulled up. Um, a horse at Bridget Andrews of the Skeletons was riding, was running loose the previous bell at three out. Um, I was unaware of, I was just pulling up and just come back to a walk and this loose horse just basically just kept galloping, galloped into the side of me. Um, and as it galloped into the side of me, my leg was in the middle and um, crushed my tib and fib quite badly. And um, so I was just sat there on the horse screaming out. And I think everyone around me was like, what's he on about? Because, you know, you pull up every day in a race and, and I was just there and I just slipped off the horse then, you know, come off it. Um, and I knew right away that it was broken, the pain that it was getting, but it was the collision from one horse. My leg was in the middle of the two horses collided. Although I was only in walk, the other one was in canter and just the impact just basically crushed my tip and fib. And I was off the majority of the winter season, which is, can be really tough um, to miss out on because that's, you know, our pin, that's our, where we get our most work from is in the winter. So um, to miss all that was hard, but um it was um, I had great support, great you know people looking after me, and um, yeah, no, it was uh, it, um, it was a, it was a tough three months, you know, breaking your leg, but it, thankfully it's behind us now. Did you have help from the Inter Jockey Fund? Yeah, so I actually spent a bit of time in Oakley House and Sir Peter Sullivan House, and the physios and the, the gym people, you know, from even a week after my operation, I saw was getting physio right away you know doing everything we can to get the swelling you know just from from day one it was you know they look after you nutrition wise they give you the supplements that you need to help you heal quicker they give you the the ice um boxes that make the swelling go down they, they give you everything and um and then when you're sort of getting back they they strengthen your leg make sure you've got enough muscle there they have water like um, treadmills so you can sort of get yourself walking and running before you can and not put the pressure on it but get the movement back. They have so many facilities and you know I certainly wouldn't have been back as quick without them as quick as I was and I wouldn't have been running at the Cheltenham Festival without them and um, you know that the, the, it's a charity funded thing and I'm very much grateful for what they've done. You know every jockey that you speak to would could never speak highly enough of them. And I suppose they assess you and then say, you know, when you're ready to go back to work. Yeah, you have to pass like a fitness test um, and you have to ride out and show that it, you can't just sort of wink, think, oh, yeah, I'm fine and get back. You have to pass certain tests and, you know, make sure x-rays and your specialist and everything's happy. So it's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, no, it's a really run, really, really well run. Um, you know, they work alongside the BHA doctors and the Leonese for them. So they make sure you're, you know, I always think <clears throat> when you hear people, are oh, they fit when they come back? You, you're probably fitter when you come back than when you are every day because you're doing it more often. And, you know, they, they really do, you know, put you, get you in good shape. And is your leg, does it feel as good as it did before now? Yeah, touch wood. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Some people say I'm like, like not a very good runner, but I probably weren't very good before, so I blame the leg. But <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think I'll ever. But no, sorry. 
Well, that's good. That's good that it's uh, nearly back together. Um, I should say back together. Fixed. I just put my thing on charge. I see yeah, the yeah, of course. Here's the picture behind you. Um, I the horse's name to That's a great picture. <laughs> Next, I'd just like to talk about um, your view on social media. So obviously things have come out about trolls online. Have you ever had anything like that before? Yeah, lots. And I think every jockey does and, and any sportsman does. I think anyone in the limelight, anyone on TV, I think, I don't think it's just within racing. I think it's in general, you know, no matter who, if you're in the, if you're on telly or in the public eye, you're always going to get some sort of criticism and I'm not sure how it can be stopped, but it's not right. I'm not saying it's right, but I think if you're in that sort of aspect, you, you are going to be, um, you're going to be open to that and you need to accept that. But I do think um, it needs to, you know, some of the things that the Safi Osborne thing was horrendous, you know, you can't, how it can't be right to sort of say you're going to rape someone or, you know, in any walk of life, you know, you can't say things like that. It doesn't matter if you are in the public eye, you know, they can't be allowed, someone behind a computer being allowed to do that. And um, I think, you know, there needs to be more, you know, stop to that. And um you know, sending death threats and things like that. I don't know how people can get away with it, and, but it needs to be stopped. Um, yeah, but I do think, I don't think it's just within racing. I think I used to have Twitter. I don't have it no more, but um, I used to have it and it didn't really bother me. I just, you know, laugh about it. But, um, there would be, obviously, with the mental health thing that's quite um, talked about at the moment, it, you know, it's um, that's certain, things like that certainly don't help. Within the racing industry, is there... Um... I want to say classes, but is there like, you know, someone who you can go to for advice on how to deal with things like that on social media? Yeah, there is. And I think every young jockey coming through now gets a jockey coach um, who was formerly a jockey or someone that's within the racing industry that they can go and speak to about this sort of thing. And, you know, you see the young lads coming in now after the races, they'll be checking their Twitter to see, you know, if they've beaten on a favourite or what abuse they're going to get. And although people laugh about it, they probably, probably do have, you know, it doesn't help, you know, doesn't help the way you think but I just I'm not quite sure how it can be stopped because um you know if you have social media you are open to criticism and um you know people are allowed to have an opinion on something you know it's like football and uh, rugby whatever it may be and you know you, you are open to criticism and it just depends how you take it but I am um, you know I think it's whatever sport you're in you, you're going to get it if you're in the public eye. I mean, you know, I thought even perhaps if they had a filter situation where, you know, if these key words came in, then it would be blocked. I mean, I don't know, maybe Twitter can pay me thousands of pounds yeah. for my idea. But, you know, I just, it's terrible, especially when I saw that from Savvy Osborne, like someone who could say that. But then again, it's just people hiding behind keyboards. Yeah. And, just... and uh, it's, you know, how easy it is to set up an account and, you know, how can you track it back to these people? I don't know, it's, you know, but I'm sure... There has to be a way, you know, needs, there has to be a way to stop it. Hmm. Um, moving away from social media, going forward, what are you hopeful for um, in the next season? Stingery free would be nice. Um, you know, that's always key and stay fit and healthy and um, do the best you can for the horses that you're on and, um, you know, try and take those opportunities when you get them and, um, you know, try not to leave many winners behind. And um, if you can get one, you know the big festivals that's a massive help and um any graded races or you know whatever comes your way and 
just got to make the best of the opportunity and um you know I'd, I'd like to sort of hopefully have a good kick this winter and um because the last two you know with corona and being injured for so long I feel like I'm quite fresh so I need to um give it a kick this winter have you got any ones to follow this season anything that takes your fancy <laughs> um yeah there's there's a lot of nice horses that previous from last year and you hope that they've grown and they matured and um um, obviously, Sky Pirate was my main flagship horse for last year, and it'd be nice if he could step up to Grey One Company. Um, that would be, you know, that would be something to look forward to. And um, yeah, and then you're just hoping those young horses that, that have won their bumpers and office hurdles that they can progress into um, into the next Sky Pirates and win at the festival Grade Ones. That's all my questions. That is all of them. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. <laughs> New betting people interviews are published every week at Star Sports. Exclusive interviews with the key people from the world of sports betting. Check out our full library of interviews at starsportsbet.co.uk. Begambleaware.org. Over 18 only.